Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is our second episode of the week, but a very special one, because that means we're a day closer to the Bucks opening game of the season on Sunday Night Football on the road against the Dallas Cowboys. So today's episode is dedicated to a Bucks Cowboys game preview. Bucks Cowboys game preview on oh. the Peter Report podcast. Oh yeah, check oh, it out. Yeah. Check it out right now. And it's Wednesday. Lucky enough to uh, be joined by a very special guest, Cowboys reporter Rick Zoys. Uh, before we get into that, though, I'm your host Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place at PeterReport.com. SR Scott Reynolds and Scott. We're a day closer to we are. tonight's contest. How are we feeling? Um, we're feeling better than Chris Godwin, who, and, and the reason I say that, I'm not trying to be like a, a, a Debbie Downer when it comes to Chris Godwin, but it didn't sound like terribly encouraging from Todd Bowles today. It sounds like it's going to be a game time decision, right? If, if it goes, if, if he's still on the table on Friday when that final injury report comes out and he's listed as questionable or doubtful as opposed to out, then I think it might be a game time decision, probably closer to questionable. Right, if he's going to end up playing in the game, then doubtful. Doubtful usually means you're not going to. But the Cowboys also have another player who's kind of in the same boat, suffered the same injury. That's Michael Gallup. He's the wide receiver who's supposed to be starting opposite of Ceedee Lamb, and and uh, he's he's just as important to the Cowboys really as Chris Godwin is to the Bucks. So it's kind of parallel um, uh, streams there for for Godwin and uh, and and Galloway trying to, to swim to the season opener in Dallas and, and get on shore and end up playing. There are a couple of injuries to the Bucks and the Cowboys that not directly, but in a way kind of mirror each other, whether it's yeah. the receivers you just spoke about or injuries to the offensive line that have hurt uh, both teams going into this. But, right. you know, we spoke to Todd Bowles today and, and Coach Bowles pretty much gave the same answer that he's been giving with Chris Godwin, where uh, as soon as he gets cleared medically, of course, They'll, they'll have Chris Godwin go, and ultimately that decision will come down to Chris Godwin as well. He was on a podcast recently talking about that. So Bowles said it's a little bit of both. And, of course, the, the other factor is that Bowles keeps hammering home is that you're not really going to know if Chris Godwin is, is healthy until he gets hit below the waist. That's right. You can hit him up at the shoulders as many times as you possibly can, but until he gets hit, in that knee where he sustained the injury last year against the Saints, you don't totally know. So yeah. uh, it's a little bit of the unknown there. Obviously, Chris Goppin, whenever he does play, whether it's against Dallas or later on in the season, you know he's going to be pretty hyped up, uh, pretty energized to go into that game. I think I one thing doing there, Matt. Yeah, I think what doing there. could help Chris Goppin is if he drank a Celsius energy drink uh, before he gets into the game. Of course, Celsius is the providing sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Great logo here. I love it. You got the yeah. Celsius drinks and the football as well because we love Celsius and we love football. There's uh, so many different things to love about Celsius, whether it's the variety of drinks. I mean, you see it right there, the Arctic vibe. Probably up there is my personal favorite. I still think Sparkling Orange Ooh, is number one for go, people. Man. Arctic vibe is very close. It's at good. Two. You got the peach and tropical vibes. You got Sparkling Watermelon. Uh, so many different flavors. And, of course, there's seven essential vitamins. Gives you that energy to get you through a work day, a workout. Matt, there's no sugar crash later on when you drink these things because there's no sugar and no preservatives. That's the key. That's the key because you have other energy drinks. You get those jitters um, after the fact. 
uh, the crash down, uh, as they say. But that's not the case with the Celsius energy drink. So make sure you go to their website, click on the store locator, find out where there is a Celsius near you, or go on to Amazon, buy it in bulk. I would recommend the variety pack because yeah. variety is the spice of life. You have it sent to your apartment or house every two weeks, three weeks, whatever it may be. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. Celsius live fit. Scott, the injury report, pretty much like right as the show started, the injury report did come out for the Bucks. A couple of names on here. Running back Giovanni Bernard was limited with an ankle injury. Wide receiver Russell Gage also limited with a hamstring. Chris Godwin practiced fully with the knee injury, but he was wearing a non-contact jersey again, so that should be pointed out. Julio Jones had the day off. He did not participate. It was not injury related. Yeah, don't worry about that. Out. They're they're babying Julio. That's yeah. just a continuation of training camp. They want to make sure this guy's hamstrings are are on par and right and healthy the whole season. So this is going to be kind of commonplace, Matt. I think you're going to see a lot of veteran days off. We saw, matter of fact, we saw Tom Brady take off just about every Wednesday, right? Yeah. Wednesday. Uh, late in the season, November, December, to preserve his arm. I wouldn't be shocked at all if we only see Julio Jones practice twice a week, probably Thursday and Friday throughout the season. We'll see how it goes, that, but this is not a shocker to me. That is absolutely fine by me. The name of the game is keeping Julio Jones healthy. That's been yeah. the issue for him, especially over the past couple seasons. I don't care if he practices once a week. That's absolutely fine with me. Keep him healthy for the season. And we already saw briefly in the preseason game, he's building that chemistry with Tom Brady. Yeah. And there's actually an article on pewterreport.com right now that uh, JC Allen had speaking to Julio Jones, where he talked about building that chemistry with TB 12, uh, rounding out the list here on the injury reports. I'm McCollum did not participate with the hamstring injury. He continues to be out. I and think then he's going to be out for this game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And then uh, two more players that were limited in practice safety, Logan Ryan with the hamstring and Tristan Wirfs with yeah. an abdomen injury, which uh, a little bit different than what he had been dealing well, with. Well, I, 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 th I think I think technically that oblique strain, abdomen, that's kind of the same thing. So don't be alarmed with that either. I think that yeah. that, that, that that happened. Uh, matter of fact, that happened right in front of me and Josh Capo and and Rick Zois, uh, who will be joining us in a second. Rick was actually at the Bucks titans practice with us, covering um, the Bucks, getting an early look at them. And uh, so he was there and, and saw that that injury happen. And I think that Wirfs is going to be OK, just limited. He's going to end up playing and, and he should be OK. Yeah, he was in very good spirits. We spoke to him on Monday. He seemed ready, good to go. He was almost like bored in his rehab. You know, yeah. obviously he not need to make sure that he was healthy, but right. he was just like, it's a little it's frustrating because he just wants to get out there and play. But he understood that. If yeah. you rush it, then you get hurt again, and it's all about making sure you're 100% yeah. healthy. Um, on the Cowboys side of things, not as long of, of a list. Uh, yeah. Wide receiver Michael Gallup was limited with a knee injury, as we spoke about earlier, dealing with the similar situation with Chris Godwin. And then cornerback Jordan Lewis uh, was also limited with a hamstring injury. So yeah. um, not as hobbled as the Bucks going into it, but nonetheless, yeah. uh, both sides have a couple of different issues that they've been dealing with heading right. into week one. Well, and the thing is with Jordan Lewis, he plays a critical role because the Buccaneers, I believe, are going to come out in a lot of three wide receiver sets. That's kind of their yeah. staple. And Jordan Lewis is their slot corner. So whether it's Chris Godwin or you might see Julio Jones in there, but you'll certainly see Russell Gage in there. Whoever's playing that slot position is going to be a main target for Tom Brady and Jordan Lewis, who's been battling a hamstring injury. 
uh, is going to be charged with with covering them. And speaking of coverage, we've got some coverage uh, when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys from uh, our good friend of mine for a long time, Rick Zoyce joins us. Rick, uh, Matt Matera, Scott Reynolds here. We appreciate having you on the Peter Report podcast. Uh, you've got your your uh, your eyes and ears peeled on everything Dallas Cowboys for a long time. Um, what do you think about this matchup initially? We're going to get into some matchups, but just on the surface, right now the Bucks are favored. It's a home game for the Cowboys. I've seen the line move from one and a half. I'm sorry, from one point five to to two point five. What are your thoughts on on the Bucks and, and Cowboys, and just your overall thoughts on on the game? Well, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, pleasure to be on with you both. Um, you know, the Scott, you and I talked a little bit before the podcast, uh, and it's kind of like that Spider-Man meme that's really popular uh, on social <laughs> media where you've got the, the two Spider-Mans yeah. pointing at each other. We're kind of yeah. mirror images of each other right now as far as struggles on the offensive line, mm -hmm. how that's going to affect the game, injuries at wide receiver. Um, I think this is going to be a very different game uh, than it was last year where I think you know that was a high-scoring affair. I think this is going to be a little more of a defensive battle. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, it's going to be the key is going to be the offensive line and yeah. for both sides, because it's really strength against weakness right now. When you're looking at both of our de our front seven on defense, your front seven on defense going against, you know, what I would call patchwork offensive lines. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's going to be the key. Um, I would say that you're probably a letter, little better equipped to handle it with Brady back there because he gets rid of the ball so quickly. Uh, but I think getting that pressure up the middle um, when you guys are on offense is, is really going to be key for the for the Cowboys. Yeah, Let, let's stick on the offensive line for a second here, uh, Matt and Rick. When, when I look at the offensive line for Dallas, it's it's not like there's a bunch of, of world beaters up there. I think Zach Martin's their best offensive lineman now. The Tyron Smith, the left tackle, is out. But I, I want to say when I'm looking at, at the Cowboys and Vita Vea might might disagree with me because he kind of had his way with with um, uh, the, the center last year, uh, Tyler Beatis, right? I mean, that, that was a matchup that Vita Vea won and, and got stronger as, as the game went on. But when you look at the, at the tackles for the Cowboys, starting Tyler Smith, that, that rookie left tackle out of Tulsa, and he really was a guard, so they're, they, they want him at guard, and they're moving him to tackle now that, that Tyron Smith, their pro bowler, is is out with that that hamstring injury, and then the other uh, tackle, Terrence Steele, is is not exactly a world beater over there. And when you look at Tampa, it's their tackles are their strength, right? Tristan yeah. Wirfs and Donovan Smith. It's the interior, especially with rookie Luke Gedicke at left guard and center Robert Hainsey. That's kind of the, the 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 questionable spot just due to their lack of experience. So it's it's almost like they're both both offensive lines are injured and, and banged up to a degree and, and having to start new people at new spots. But the Bucks are strong on the outside. And if the Cowboys have a strength, they might even be inside. Would you agree with that? I would. And I'd say as a quarterback, you'd rather be able to step up in the pocket. You know, certainly Brady and Dak would rather step up into the pocket if they've got that, that middle protection. Um, you know, as, as I look at it, Tyron, uh, Tyron Smith injury certainly hurts. He's only played 13 games over the last two seasons. The issue with Biotis that you referred to, he's a 
he's a better pass blocker in the run game. He's more of a zone blocker, second level where he struggles. And this is a concern for this game is when he goes up against the big zero and one techniques, when he sees like a Fletcher Cox or a Vita Vea, he's just a little light and he, 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 he's not going to be able to anchor that well. Uh, so that's the concern there. Uh, Tyler Smith actually, uh, he played left tackle at Tulsa, had went back and watched film, had a very good game against Ohio State last year. I think the issue is they were planning on him playing guard and then kicking him out to tackle right. uh, when when Tyron got injured, which he does every year at this point. Mm. Uh, it happened a little earlier, uh, but I think the bigger issue is that they they worked him uh, at in OTAs uh, in mini camps. They worked him a little bit at left tackle training camp he's been fully playing left guard so they didn't do him any favors my opinion uh, by playing him there the entire time and just not getting him ready for kicking him out to left tackle yeah. so it's going to be a challenge so let me ask you this Rick you you watched the Bucks beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl a couple years ago in 2020 here in Tampa and we saw what what Shaq Barrett could do, and at the at the time it was Jason Pierre-Paul on the other side, what they could do against backup players, right, backup tackles. So you even saw that the week prior against the Packers when David Bactieri was out and they had to move their right tackle to their left tackle and insert a, a new right tackle. And the Chiefs kind of did the same same thing because they had some tackle issues as well. It just it means big games for Shaq Barrett, right? Shaq Barrett could have been the Super Bowl MVP uh, if – you know, if not for Tom Brady's three touchdowns in the first half, he was the thorn in the side the entire game. I think he had something like nine pressures or quarterback hits and and a sack in that game of, of Patrick Mahomes. Then he had three sacks of Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game. So that has got to be – it's one of my key matchups, right, is, is Shaq Barrett playing against Tyler Smith in his first start at a, kind of at a position. That has to be the biggest mismatch on the field. Absolutely. And it's going to it's going to pull them, you know, out of probably what they were planning on doing had they had a healthy offensive line, because now, you know, they had, had worked uh, Tony Pollard a lot in the slot uh, to mm -hmm. help, you know, make up for some of the, the losses we have with Mari Cooper at wide receiver and, and Gallup being hurt. You're going to see a lot of I imagine a lot of 12 personnel now where we're going to go double tights because we're going to have to probably give help on both sides. Uh, you're going to see Zeke probably staying in the block. He's a much better pass blocker than Tony Pollard is. So there are adjustments that will be made. Uh, the good news, I think, is that this staff under Mike McCarthy has shown a great willingness to make those adjustments. The Garrett regime, they were a little more stick to your guns. We're putting you out there. We'll leave you on an island. You're our tackle, and, and we're going to go with our game plan. Mm -hmm. uh, this, this staff will give help, and they've done a good job of adjusting to this. Um, or at least better than than they had previously. I, I do want to ask you about the the skill position players, but sticking with the offensive line for one more moment, uh, with Terrence Steele, I I find it just overall interesting because you know he was an undrafted free agent last year. He comes in, he gets a lot of starts, and they actually, if correct me if I'm wrong, but he started at two separate positions just due to injuries and things that went on the offensive line. What have you seen from him? in this training camp and this preseason so far uh, as another season as a starter? Yeah, he's looked good. Um, he struggled at left tackle. They were kind of playing him at swing tackle, uh, and then he got a lot of time when Lyle Collins was out at, at right tackle. He's much better at right tackle. 
Uh, he's improved a lot. His, his footwork is much better. Um, he's playing with better technique, uh, not getting out of position as much. He's able to anchor on the, on that inside foot to cut off that inside rush, which he, he did have a problem with. Uh, he was much improved there. Uh, actually last year, I thought their offensive line played better when he was in at right tackle. When Lyle Collins came back, uh, the, it, the performance went down to the offensive line. Uh, overall, I'd say he's a much better run blocker uh, than he is a pass blocker, but he's definitely improved there. And a lot of it's just technique and getting him off of that left side and keeping him focused at right tackle. It's interesting because, again, you're going to a situation where he's just playing right tackle now. He can focus on that, doesn't have to worry about moving around. And that's similar to who he's probably going to be blocking up against, and that's uh, Joe Tryon Shainka, who was in that backup role, filled in for Jason Pierre-Paul when he was injured, got reps, you know, played along the defensive line, but they kind of kicked him in inside. You're going into this training camp, and again, it's just, all right, Joe, this is your position now. You're outside linebacker. Don't worry about all the different stuff. Just, you know, let your hair down and get after the quarterback, which I think is what he does best. So I think that's another very interesting battle going into Sunday night's game. I agree. You know, Rick, one of the things that you mentioned, I want to circle back around where we're still talking about the Cowboys offense, is when Tony Pollard has to stay in to block and pick up a blitzer or Ezekiel Elliott, isn't that a win for the Bucks defense, even if they don't get home to, to Dak Prescott? Because that's just one less weapon that is deployed for Dak to throw to and just kind of takes a, a, a chess piece off the board, so to speak, for the Cowboys offense. Absolutely. Um, not only, you know, obviously taking that chess piece off the board, but when you look at it, when you're going to get pressure, and you've got to keep that running back in, that eliminates that little outlet pass to the running back, which that check down is usually what you look at when you're getting blitzed. Pollard thrives with that too. Pollard's great at it. He played a ton of slot receiver, mostly slot receiver at Memphis. He thrives in that. Um, but you're, you're spot on, Scott. When you have to keep them in the block, it's eliminating their ability to be that, that little outlet pass. Uh, and and that is, that is that's going to be a challenge. Uh, and I think – that's where they'll probably look uh, when they're when they're in twelve personnel mm -hmm. uh, is <clears throat> getting some help on, uh, from the tight ends on the tackles uh, and then letting them probably slip out into the quick passing game. Uh, one of the other things that I'm interested to see is if they're going to use Cavante Turpin, our little uh, our little uh, <laughs> excuse me, our, our little uh, rocket that we have yeah. back there returning kicks. That's, uh, that's right on key. We have a question from Nate Pitts. Question for Rick: How dangerous is Kevante Turpin, I, I'll just say this. As You've been a, obsessed with him, Scott. You've yeah, brought as, him up multiple times. As, as a Big 12 guy, I'm so glad he has graduated from TCU because this guy was an absolute thorn in the side for K-State and others in the conference. You know, He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he has got some absolute jets to him. He's 5'9", listed at 153 pounds. So if you think like Devonke or De, uh, Devin Tompkins, uh, former – uh, Utah State wide receiver last year. Now he's in the Bucks practice squad. Very small, shifty, fast guy in that in that same mold. But where Turpin has really carved out a niche and is on the Cowboys roster is is as a kick and punt returner at TCU. He returned two kickoffs for touchdowns: a 99 yarder his senior year, a 94 yarder the year prior, and he had a punt return for a touchdown in every single year that he was with the Horn Frogs. So this guy is an absolute special teams ace. And, Rick, we saw that uh, when when we were actually up in Tennessee for the for the Cowboys in that preseason game. Uh, 
I mean, what he had a 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown and an 86-yard punt return for a touchdown in the same game. Yeah, he's dangerous. Uh, you know, Jim Fossil spent a lot of time this week talking about the time that they've spent on special teams in the return game looking at film of Devin Hester. And it wasn't really so much for Turpin that he was showing that. They were showing that to show the blockers, hey, if you block for this guy, he can break one. We right. even had a, a dangerous returner like that probably since Dion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the level of special teams play um, when you've got guys that know, hey, if I miss my block, I could be the guy that, that costs us a chance to take this thing to the house. Uh, they've really been stressing that. And the other thing that it does, and I think that, you know, with our defense is being able to flip that field position a little bit. That's going to be, it's going to be huge to be able to flip field position. Yeah. What are the chances that he gets to see some time on offense and a gadget play here or there, a wide receiver screen? Because you know the, the Cowboys offense, at least on paper, we're still sticking with the offense in the preview here, it's just not as dynamic as it was last year. The, the Cowboys did lead the league in points. The Bucks were right behind them. Both teams averaged over 30 points per game last year. But is is the Cowboys offense as dynamic without an Amari Cooper and and you know some of, of the uh, of, of the pieces like with Gallup possibly not playing and I think Gallup might even be a little bit behind Chris Godwin because he practiced for the first time Godwin's been practicing with the team but this was Galloway's or Gallup's first practice with the Cowboys today I believe correct and in mostly individual work with the trainers he did run uh, did run some routes for the first time so I, I he's listed as is limited uh, I don't foresee him playing I think he'll be week two or week three Right. So uh, he'll, does, he'll that, back in. does that kind of put the the impetus to get this playmaking special teams guy on the field for a handful of plays and see if he can make some magic on offense? Absolutely. Uh, Kellen Moore is a big fan of his, and yeah. he's talked about he doesn't just view him as a returner. He views him as a wide receiver. Uh, he was actually the USFL MVP uh, at wide uh, from the wide receiver position. Yeah. The guy gets MVP of the, of the USFL. Yeah. Um, he is dynamic. He's explosive. I think where I would see them using him, and I think Kellen Moore will probably do this, is with the pressure, assuming you know that our offensive line's not going to perform as we'd like. Right. Uh, with that pressure, having a guy like Kevontae Turpin in there where you can get a quick pass to him and get him in space and let him make something happen, I think he, he could have a big role in this game. Yeah, yeah, I was curious, like at wide receiver, who is going to pick up the slack for the Cowboys? Because obviously we know what C.D. Lamb did last year. But, Scott, you were mentioning all the points the Cowboys scored. They're also first in yards per game with 407, and they were second in passing yards, only second to the Bucks, who were first. So, you know, obviously Cooper's not there, and Michael Gallup's injured. doesn't look like he's going to play. So outside of C.D. Lamb and, and Dalton Schultz, like what are the Cowboys going to do to you know, get that passing game going because I don't think they're going to just completely change their identity, especially with a great run-stopping defense like the Bucks have. They obviously have two very talented running backs, but you know, when they pass the ball as much as they do, someone has to you know pick it up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, Kellen Moore is more of a system guy where he likes to use route combinations and him and Dak are on the same page with that. Dak likes to spread the ball around. Dak's not one to force feed the ball to a receiver and they look for the open guy. So I'm very interested to see 
what that adjustment's going to look like with the receiving core being what it is. Um, if they were a band, we call them CD and the maybes, right? Because that's maybe <laughs> these guys can play. Uh, Noah Brown's been on the team for, for about six years now. Uh, I, he'll probably be the guy that steps in for Michael Gallup. He's an outstanding blocker. He has slimmed down during training camp, and it's been his best training camp so far. Um, he's got decent hands, but, you know, it's that trust level with the quarterback. So I am very curious to see what they're going to do to generate offense. I think the tight ends, uh, we've got a rookie tight end, Jake Ferguson, at mm -hmm. Nebraska, or out yeah. of Wisconsin that we like Wisconsin, very yeah. much out of Wisconsin. Uh, done a great job blocking. Um, he's done really well in the passing game. So I think they're going to lean there uh, to get some production out of the passing game. Uh, Simi Fajoko's had a great offseason. He's done well in, the, in preseason games. He had a very good camp. Uh, but we have a lot of guys that, you know, for years have come out of Oxnard at training camp and been all-stars, and then we don't hear from them during the yeah. during the regular season. Uh, I, I think the question is, are they going to be able to get the ball in the passing game to CeeDee Lamb? Uh, they will move CeeDee around. Uh, last year he had 142 targets in the slot uh, for a little over 1,100 yards and six uh, TDs, and then he had 89 targets uh, outside uh, and five TDs there for about uh, – about 900 yards. So they yeah. will move him around. I just don't know without Gallup if they have the chess pieces to move him around and basically find a favorable matchup from him. Do you guys anticipate uh, this Carlton Davis? Do you, you think does he does does Bowles travel uh, him? That's a great question because he's done that before with mixed results. Right when he matched up. Carlton Davis on Tyreek Hill in the regular season in 2020, it didn't work out too well. Carlton Davis got lit up, and, and Tyreek Hill had 200 yards receiving, I think, in the first quarter and a couple of touchdowns. It was ridiculous. And uh, so, and then after that, you saw Bowles play cover two, which he did in the Super Bowl, and that really eliminated the deep threat uh, with, with, uh, with keeping everything in front of the Bucs defense. I, I kind of expect the Buccaneers to probably not match up with with C.D. Lamb, with Carlton Davis. I, I think he trusts his other corners. At the same time, it's subject to change, but initially I believe the Buccaneers, Carlton Davis is best on the left side of, of the formation, and that's typically where he, he plays that zone base. Jamel Dean will be the starter on the right side. Anton Winfield Jr. will be the nickel corner this year. He moves from free safety and base defense to the nickel corner, they bring in Logan Ryan to play free safety and replace Winfield there. So if the Cowboys are going to be moving C.D. Lamb around to try to find the best matchup, he's going to be facing all three of those those cornerbacks for the Buccaneers. And we, the guys we've talked about so far, Bucks fans, uh, Zach Martin last year was the highest rated, highest graded pro football focused Cowboy with a 93.4. And then Tyron Smith, that left tackle that's not going to be available, second highest grade on offense with a 90.2. We've talked about Tony Pollard, probably even a better player at this stage than Ezekiel Elliott, mm. coming out of the backfield, catching the ball, also good as a runner with an 86 grade. And then C.D. Lamb, the fourth highest graded by pro football focus offensive weapon for the Cowboys, 84.1. And then, of course, you have Dak Prescott rounding out the top five with an 82.4 grade. So Cowboys still have some weapons, but I, I got to think that that Bowles is going to come out probably playing too high over the C.D. Lamb side and rolling coverage his way. I think that if you 
If you make CD Lamb average in this game, you probably win the game. If you take some chances with some man coverage and he gets a favorable one-on-one, -on -one, he gets one step, he can beat you. And, and I think Bulls would rather play a little bit more conservative, at least to start this game and kind of feel out the Cowboys offense and see how it starts. Yeah, I think you guys won't have a you, – you can roll coverage to CD and – probably single up on our other receivers uh, who at this point I would say are unproven. You know, one name I haven't mentioned is Jalen Tolbert, uh, mm -hmm. our rookie out of uh, so South Alabama. Mm -hmm. um, he's been underwhelming. He's been okay at camp. I don't think he's come along as quickly as they hoped. Um, but it's really, I said, you can roll coverage of CD, see who else, who else can make a play. Uh, I will throw, if you don't mind, it's got a little interesting point. You mentioned Zach yeah. Martin. Um, Zach Martin has, uh, per the Cowboys, more Pro Bowl selections, which is seven, uh, than he has holding penalties, which is five in his entire eight game career. <laughs> that's that's a fantastic stat, Rick. Holy smokes! I'd say that's pretty good. That's yeah, uh, it, that's efficient. And as as we round out the offense, and we'll get to defense, which obviously, Rick, that's the best side of the ball, is it not? Of course. Okay, but before we do that, we're going to. To, to finish talking about this, because the matchups that I have that are that are really key in this, we've talked about Shaq Barrett versus uh, Tyler Smith, the outside linebacker versus the rookie left tackle. We've talked a little bit about Bita Vea going up against Beatitz, the center, and and how that's that's kind of a, uh, you know, it was a win last year for Vea, I, I believe, in stuffing the run and getting some pressure and hits on, on Dak Prescott. Devin White, I think, when Tony Pollard is going out for those routes, Devin White, who's done a much better job in terms of pass coverage, and we saw that too. Devin White in in the Titans practice, Rick, he was just blanketing the Titans running backs that were coming out of the formation and and the tight ends as well. So I would suspect that he'll be drawing Tony Pollard in some of those coverages. We talked about C.D. Lamb versus the Bucks corners. But Akeem Hicks versus Zach Martin, that's kind of strength on strength, right? Because Akeem Hicks is going to typically line up at the left tackle position. I mean, on offense, I mean the left defensive tackle. He loves playing on the left side, so you're going to see that this year. And going up against Zach Martin, that's that's going to be a really interesting kind of, you know, uh, thing versus Hulk, you know, if you're into Marvel Comics, <laughs> kind, of, kind of a battle between these two juggernaut type of, of players up front. Yeah, and the one thing that that does uh, is that, you know, that's going to occupy Zach Martin. So we talked a little bit about Biotish and how, you know, he doesn't anchor real well sometimes. Talked a little bit about Terrence Steele. Um, depending on the matchup, you know, there are a lot of times where where Martin can help out, either help help with the tackle, get a chip on a, on a, nose, on a nose guard or a DT to help out the center. That's, you know, that's going to be a challenge in this game because he's going to have his hands full just in his one-on-one -on -one matchup. Yeah, I agree. Well, that might be enough to make some people drink. I'm going to actually have a drink right now. What I'm going to do is, is if you if you don't know people, Pirate Republic, the official <laughs> beer of Peter Report. And the great thing, Matt and Rick, about Pirate Republic being the official beer sponsor of Peter Report is they want us to actually drink some on the, on the podcast, which I'm fine with doing. Uh, the beer of choice today for me is that yellow can. It's the Golden Haze of Piracy. It's a Belgian wheat beer. They've also got a couple of other fantastic beers, the Long John Pilsner, uh, which we've talked about before, and the Take No Quarter IPA. I am not an IPA fan, folks, but this has, has made me an IPA drinker. I only drink Take No Quarter, but it's damn good. But today, the, the Belgian uh, wheat, wheat beer, the Golden Haze of Piracy, it's absolutely fantastic. 
And what it has is it's got the malted barley and the wheat together with Belgian yeast, and they create this golden haze, coriander and orange peels. They add to the boil to accentuate a lively, sweet citrus flavor. That's right. If you're in Florida, why not drink something with a touch of citrus in it? It's an absolutely fantastic beer. Um, believe it or not, I think it's actually my favorite. I love the, the Long John Pilsner because I can take it out to the pool, to the beach. It's, it's one of those beers that you can have over and over again because it's light, crisp, and refreshing. But this has got a, packs a little bit of a punch with the 4.6%, but it's got a great flavor to it. Again, you drop an orange in it, and it actually just sets it off, as I'm doing right here. I'm going give, to give you a little show and tell. Don't be too jealous, people, but here it is. So where can you find Pirate Republic? Well, you're going to want to get some for the game this weekend, and why not just get some today? Because Thursday night football starts tomorrow. The NFL season kicks off with the Bills and the Rams. Then you got college football. Uh, starting uh, up again on, on Friday night, Saturday. And then you've got the Buccaneers and, and the NFL slate, which kicks off on Sunday, of course. So make sure that you get some Pirate Republic beer. It's at uh, participating ABC liquor stores in the Tampa Bay area, Total Wine and more, Lucan's Liquors, also available at Party Liquors in a couple of select bars in and around town that we'll tell you more about on, on social media. But make sure that you're drinking Pirate Republic. And Scott, you're just in time because today is National Beer Lovers Day. Mm. And if you love beer oh, and love you love it. Pirate Republic, it's this the perfect fantastic. combination on this day as you're uh, enjoying. Yeah, Scott, I didn't, uh, I didn't I wanted see to slam this. I don't know what happened. I didn't see the IPA in the green room for me, but we'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> uh, maybe when we see each other in the playoffs. It, it, that's That sounds good. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, Rick. Uh, let's flip to the defensive side. Um, so uh, our roots, Rick, are on the defensive side. You actually, you and I actually coached South Pasco Predators football together. Pop Warner. That's how we met. Our sons, Logan and Cade, played together on the, on the same team, uh, and it was a blast. And you and I have always kind of gravitated towards the defensive side. So this is this is the fun stuff. We this is like the dessert, or this is you know like the icing on the cake. Eat the cake first, then eat the icing. So let's let's dive into some defense here. One of the things that really kind of stands out in me. And how could it not is that big, massive nose tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, um, you know, th six foot four, 340 pounds. I'm talking about Bohannon. He's an absolute beast. Uh, I, I like the fact that Robert Hainsey, the new center for the Buccaneers, has gone up against a similar sized player in Vita Vea and also Akeem Hicks. They're both about 350 pounds. But this guy right here, he puts stress on opposing offensive lines and by clogging up run lanes, does he not? I, he does. I'd say he's he's a svelte, 340, 360. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, he is a, he's a trash can full of dirt. Um, and it's really a, a, a departure from uh, – and I know you guys are very familiar with Rod Marinelli. Yeah. Um, Marinelli wasn't a big fan of, of, of the big one or zero techs. Uh, so we do run a little bit of, of, uh, of a three front where we'll, we'll play a zero tech. Um, Dan Quinn has, is, and it's been a, a good upgrade for us. And I, I'm, I believe it's going to pay dividends this year in the run game. Uh, he has put some bulk inside there in the middle to stress the center of that, that defense. So uh, I think, you know, I'm correct. Uh, Hainsey and, and Gedeke both or originally, I think were tackles. So they both slid into new positions. Uh, yeah. So I think that that's going to be a challenge for them. And then, you know, they, 
we carried 10 or 11 on, on the defensive line uh, this season. And you're going to see a lot of, of rotation. And so coming in behind him is Neville Gallimore, who goes about mm-hmm. 315, 320. Uh, who is another just a space eater there in the middle to free up, you know, free up the linebackers and let them uh, do their thing. How much credit does Dan Quinn deserve for the, I guess you could say, the the turnaround of the Cowboys defense? Because I just remember going into, you know, last season, obviously it's, this is a rematch of, of the home opener last year between Bucks and Cowboys. And a lot of people were thinking like, oh, you know, the Bucks are going to easily put up, you know, 30 points, 40 points, whatever it may be. And granted, it was a high scoring game. But the way that things turned around for the Cowboys as the season went on, I mean, Micah Parsons obviously became one of the most thrilling players to watch. And, you know, Diggs obviously had a had a, a, a really good season in terms of taking the ball away. But I felt like that kind of started with Dan Quinn, and then the players obviously took to the game plan very well. Absolutely. The players love him. Um, his scheme fits the talent that we have, and he's very good – they have a very good relationship with him uh, in the scouting department. Uh, uh, Will McClay, uh, Jerry's our GM, but Will McClay runs our scouting department. He does a great job. Uh, they are in lockstep, he and Dan Quinn, as to what types of players he wants for his scheme. And they've done a nice job of acquiring that talent for Dan Quinn. The players love them. He allows them to play a somewhat simple scheme. It's not overly complicated. They play fast and they're aggressive and they turn the ball over. Uh, so he's been just a, a huge impact on not only the defense, but I think the team as well. I mean, this time last year, we were going into the season thinking we're an offensive team. And if we can maybe finish top 15 yeah. on defense, we'll, we can make make some noise. Uh, we're now <laughs> completely flipped that and we're like, the defense is going to have to carry us. And we're yeah. confident in the defense being able to carry us. And now the offense just needs to be average or a little bit better. So it's been a, just a complete shift really in, in what the, uh, you know, what the core of this team is and the identity of this team. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the great thing about um, the identity you're talking about for the Cowboys and the Buccaneers is I, I think it's kind of the same thing, right? When you've got Todd Bowles now is the, the head coach, and, and I think you're going to see even more of an emphasis on the defense, more of a shift towards the running game a little bit, and b- just because Bowles knows the importance of stopping the run and and how that sets up everything he wants to do from a pressure package standpoint, from a blitzing standpoint, and and, and he, he also has to prepare for life after Brady. We think this is the last year of Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, so you, you've got to start to kind of shift things a little bit. So I, I think that this Buccaneer team – Post Brady will be more like what you're talking about with the Cowboys, which is the defense kind of carrying the day a little bit. We don't even know who the quarterback is going to be next year. Is it going to be Blaine Gabbard? Is it going to be Kyle Trask? Is somebody down on the roster? You know, we'll see. But let's not get ahead of ourselves first. We do have Tom Brady and the Buccaneers coming into Dallas for week one. And, of course, the place to go to watch that game is going to be walk-ons. And we've got the Peter Report tailgate show, the Celsius Peter Report tailgate show, presented by Age Rejuvenation, live at walk-ons this year. Every game, home and away, we're going to be out there. Myself, J.C. Allen, and former Buccaneer tight end John Gilmore will be providing analysis for an hour and a half prior to kickoff. So the show is going to start on Sunday at the walk-ons in Wesley Chapel at 6.30. Kickoff is at, at 8.20. And, of course, Matt Batera and Casey Hudson are going to be your hosts for Peter Game Day following 
the Peter Report Tailgate Show, live in-game analysis that's Sunday, 8.20. So make sure that you visit Peter Report TV on YouTube and watch the show from 6.30 all the way up to kickoff and then through kickoff with Peter Game Day. And if you haven't been to walk-ons, folks, it's an absolutely fantastic place to watch a game. And we're proud to, to be associated with walk-ons this year. The next uh, game will be at the Midtown location in Tampa. They've got two, but the first one's going to be at Wesley Chapel walk-ons. This, this is a walk-on athlete. They push harder and put their heart into the game. This is the passion we're built on. It's why we put our heart into creating game day with a taste of Louisiana. Walk-ons. We live for this. Fun fact about that Wesley Chapel walk-ons, Devin White is a former uh, LSU Tiger and is from the state of Louisiana. And, of course, that's where... The Walk-Ons franchise began, and now they're in Florida. And Devin White is a part owner of that Wesley Chapel location. So he won't be there on Sunday. He'll be in Dallas playing, So, but you can come out and see JC and, and, uh, and John Gilmore. But we want you to go to Walk-Ons, folks. Why? Because it's the place to eat for game day or any day. There are over 100 Walk-On locations in 15 states, including eight in the state of Florida, with two in the Tampa Bay area, that Wesley Chapel location where we'll be at this Sunday. Starting at 6.30, that's across from the Outlet Mall. And then that new Midtown location down in your neck of the woods, Matt, just a couple minutes away from the stadium with a wide selection of your favorite beer on tap, craft cocktails, burgers, and delicious Cajun and Creole-inspired food. Get in the game with walk-ons. Happy hour is from 3 to 6, Monday through Friday. And guess what, Matt and Rick? It's all day on Tuesdays. So once you're through watching this Peter Report Podcast, get to walk-ons and enjoy happy hour all day on Tuesday. It's a great place to go for lunch and dinner, especially on game days, with their massive amount of TVs to watch all the action. Visit walk-ons in Wesley Chapel or Midtown, or visit them online at walk-ons.com. You can never go wrong with an all-day happy hour deal on Tuesdays. So I would highly recommend it. And the Wesley Chapel and the Midtown ones, while similar, same, same restaurant, obviously, same company, but... A um, little bit different too, so each has its own personal yeah. thing that you can you can love about. And they've got Pirate Republic at the uh, the Walk On Wesley Chapel. There so. you go. Yeah. Only promotion. All right, Rick. We you mentioned uh, Michael Parsons. Now I, I think this is probably out of all the matchups that we've talked about, and and I I think on the Buccaneers side, the key matchup is just Tyler Smith versus Shaq Barrett. And Joe Tryon-Shuenka, how he can hold up, right, under that constant barrage of pressure he's going to face. Well, you and I talked earlier in the week, Micah Parsons is like one of those chess pieces, right? He, he's a guy that, that plays linebacker. The Cowboys rushed him off the edge quite a bit last year as he packed, as he racked up double-digit sacks. But he will also line up over a guard or a center, do some A-gap blitzing, some B-gap blitzing. And that could really present some problems for a young center and Robert Hainsey getting his first start and a rookie in Luke Gedeke. Absolutely. So last year, uh, and he's part of the reason I think that Dan Quinn uh, did such a nice job with the defense, having a piece like that in, in your toolbox certainly helps. Uh, last year, uh, week one against you guys, he played uh, 
10 snaps at, at the end, and he did 38 at linebacker, and he even got three snaps in at corner, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, he, they're going to, they loved it. The season went on, they loved getting him into that A gap. And I think they're going to see a lot of that uh, there. I think the other, one of the other uh, matchups that I think they, they want to take advantage of with him in, in that A gap is, uh, you know, I don't think they feel that Leonard Fournette is, is a great pass blocker. Uh, so I think they want to get him involved and in, in having to stay in, in pass block. Uh, the other thing that they're going, I anticipate they'll do, and they did this quite a bit last year uh, when Demarcus Lawrence came back, is they will, uh, in certain situations, they will kick Demarcus Lawrence down inside and, and have him play a three tech. So you could be looking at Demarcus Lawrence at three tech with with uh, Michael Parsons coming in behind him. So yeah, that that's going to be a challenge, I think, for for the interior of that young offensive line. Yeah, and you mentioned Demarcus Lawrence too. He's he's such a, a you know a, a huge contributor for that Cowboys defense. He's kind of been one of the, uh, the mainstays there for quite some time. And uh, I, I agree with what you're saying. We saw Joe Tryon, Shoenka, and even Jason Pierre-Paul when he was when he was healthy on nickel downs, third and long, um, you know, or obvious passing situations would would rush inside and try to take advantage of of a uh, slower, less athletic guard you know uh, for example and so what you're saying is is lawrence might see some time inside against shaq mason who is is, is a better right guard overall than alex kappa was but at 6'2 maybe 310 he's not the six foot six 320 pound guy that kappa was so he's going to be giving up some size even to a player like demarcus lawrence who's long and lean and and i think that that's how the buccaneers have kind of used jason pierre paul joe try and Inca in the past so yeah, having that one-two punch on the inside, it kind of makes sense because when you've got a guy that's as good as Tristan Wirfs at the right tackle spot, and then you've got a another Pro Bowl caliber left tackle in, in Donovan Smith, maybe moving around a, a player like Demarcus Lawrence rather than going strength on strength, trying to find that mismatch, that, that might be what uh, Dan Quinn has in store, you're saying, Rick. Yeah, and I think one of the players that uh, was really had a great rookie season last year um, was overshadowed by Micah Parsons, which is certainly understandable. Was Oso Digizua? Yeah. Uh, he is he's a very solid defensive tackle, and I think that's going to be another matchup that the Cowboys are going to going to feel that that they they have an advantage in uh, with so him in the defensive tackle. He's very quick, and he, he but he doesn't give up a lot of size. He's he's very stout, uh, plays very smart. He's got good recognition, uh, and and he's disruptive. The thing with with the Diggy Zua too is he's about two eighty, two eighty five. He's not the biggest guy, but he he plays bigger than his size. But he's got some real initial quickness, and that's something that that we saw Luke Edeke struggle with, probably even more so in the Colts game. But then he also struggled with that. In, in the Titans game, uh, as, as the game wore on in, in that second quarter, you saw Gedeke have some issues there. And so I, I'm, th- that's a matchup, too, that I have on my list here is, is Luke Gedeke versus Micah Parsons from when he blitzes uh, that A or B gap. And then uh, Oso Digizua, just because Gedeke, Matt, I think has struggled a little bit with some quicker defensive tackles. Yeah, I mean, you're only as strong as your weakest link, and obviously everyone, not just the Cowboys, but most opponents early on are, are going to target him because why not? You know what you're getting with the tackles, and obviously Shaq Mason is a you know formidable offensive lineman that's been doing this for a long time. It's almost a bit odd that, if anything, 
I understand the speed of going from Central Michigan to the NFL. Sure, that's going to change. But when you have a guy that used to play tight end and then used to play tackle, you would think like he'd be a little more fleet of foot when it comes to you know dealing with with speed and mobility and everything like that. But yeah, that wasn't necessarily the case. Especially, I thought he was. He definitely got beat at times. But as far as when the starters were still in for the preseason game against the Colts. The Bucs were still able to run the ball with Leonard Fournette and obviously throw the ball down the field with Tom Brady, as we mentioned, the the 20-yard yeah. reception to Julio Jones. But it's when the backups came in, backups, you know, with Rashad White and those players, when they kept Hainsey and Gedeke in there, that's really where the issues weren't just apparent. They were, like, right up in your face. And part of that, right. Nick Leverett was in, so sure, it's not all on Gedeke. But, right. you know, when you see a running back losing – five yards per <laughs> carry, not just like on one play that you could pretty much pinpoint it right away. And so yep. that's certainly something that he needs to work on and that teams like the Cowboys and the saints early on. I mean, that's obviously a huge bullseye on the bucks right there, but uh, yep. you know, we'll see how they combat that, especially with Brady and the, and the quick passing and, and the time with everything like that. So, you know, point counterpoint when it comes to that. Matt, Matt and Scott, do you, um, one of the things I've been thinking about is, is your run game. Um, yeah. With the offensive line the way it is, uh, you know, offensive linemen would always rather run block than, than yeah. pass block. Uh, do you foresee them trying to establish a run game uh, and take some of that pressure uh, off of Brady, dropping back in the pocket, and maybe get some confidence for those young linemen? Yeah, I, I definitely think that's the case. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Byron Leftwich is notorious for running on first down. It's, it's very, very predictable. Very predictable. <laughs> yeah, and that's been frustrating the yeah, past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks offense has been yeah, it's I, out of the Jason Garrett playbook. Right. Well, yeah, it goes back to Marty Schottenheimer. I remember Chris McCoy was was a first down run all the time. Lived, grew up in Kansas City. It's just that's how it is. So I I, I think that 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 you will see that the good news for the Buccaneers in, in the two preseason games, the last two games that Leonard Fournette has played in. He got a thirteen or a ten yard carry against uh, the Titans on on his first carry of the game on first down, and then a thirteen yard carry on the first carry against the Titans. So I'm all in favor of Byron Leftwich calling a run for Leonard Fournette in the first play of the game because he I think Leonard's averaging about uh, twelve yards per carry on that. And after that, you know, we'll see. But yeah, I do think Todd Bowles does want to lean on the, the Bucks ground game. You, you know, Tom Brady led the league in passing attempts, yards, touchdowns last year, he could still lead the league in touchdowns. I, I think he's going to get 40-plus touchdowns with all the weapons they have. But I think the goal is maybe to have Brady dial it back and instead of throwing for 5,300 yards, maybe 4,300 or 4,500 4, yards. It's still going to be a pass-first, wide-receiver-driven offense. But I think Bowles and his coaching staff have identified in some of those key games against the Rams and the Saints' losses – they just can't run the ball as consistently as they want to. And what that does is when you have a good defensive line, you know, it, it, it just, it helps them tee off on Brady. And that's, that's what the bucks don't want, especially in week one, the bucks would rather have Micah Parsons making a tackle three yards down the field than yeah. getting attacked three yards in the backfield. And so, yes, I do think you're going to see a healthy dose of Leonard Fournette and also the rookie Rashad white, who not only is he the backup running back now on the new depth chart that came out, that we reported on pewterreport.com, but he is also the kick returner. He's the starting kick returner. So not as dynamic as Kevontae Turpin, but we'll see Rashad White returning kicks. Well, I was very impressed with White at, at, 
at the Bucks practice yeah. that we were at uh, over in Nashville. Uh, he he's a smooth runner. He's a glider. Uh, a little bit of a uh, not comparing him to Marcus Allen, but that yeah. type of a smooth gliding running style. Yeah. Uh, that's what he reminded me of. I, I think you guys have a good one there. Yeah, he I was one of the he ran. was one of the the comparisons. I believe was Marcus Allen was, was one of them. Yeah. Where everyone's of course like we're not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but you know <laughs> but he's like this, Eric this, Dickerson this. and Marcus Allen and Le'Veon Bell. I mean that's that's right. the comparison. Yeah, yeah, drawn, yeah. that was the comparison there. Uh, one thing also on the run game that I personally want to see is a little more variety when it comes to running the ball. Sure, you don't want to be predictable, but the Bucks have been very headstrong with just running. Oh, Koki, love Koki. Yeah, he's going to be a factor if they the actually have a fullback this back, year. The fullback, which yeah. he has been doing. But I think the Bucks are really good when they run the ball, when they, you know, when they start doing some sweeps and get those tackles out in space. Like Donovan Smith is great when he's running up the field and he has some great yeah. highlight tackle uh, blocks. Obviously, it's, you know, a left tackle on a cornerback. So the right. guy's going to get squashed like fun. a bug as it is. But Tristan <laughs> Wirfs, again, a very athletic offensive tackle. We've all seen the video of him jumping out of a pool and getting onto the ledge. Obviously, yeah. that doesn't directly translate to what's happening in the game, but you can get these tackles out in space. We saw them run some sweeps late in the season with Scotty Miller, and I understand you know, it, it was against like the Panthers and the Falcons in garbage time, so you're not going to have the same effect when it's 0-0 on Sunday night football. But I really do think you saw it in the indie game last year. I said this before. That was a run to the outside where Leonard Fournette scored that touchdown. Essentially, what we thought was sealing the game up until Mike right. Edwards made the game-saving tackle on a kick return. I just think if the Bucks expand their run game a little bit, it could really do uh, a lot for them. But you talked about the predictability that Byron Leftwich has as an offensive coordinator. If you wanted to bet on him running the ball on the first play of the season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the best place to go and do that is with mybookie.ag, which, of course, guys, the regular season is here. The first game of the season is, of course, on Thursday as the Bills and Rams prepare for the NFL kickoff and the Bucks and Cowboys prepare for uh, Sunday Night Football. Now's the time to prepare for your winning season at MyBookie. Whether you're a veteran better or a first-timer, MyBookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus. It's quick and easy. A $250 deposit puts $500 in your account. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you can understand that. And you can use your funds to bet instantly on as many games, contests, and props as you want. To claim your bonus register today, use the promo code Pewter, designed to add more excitement to the games and sports you love. Bet on team win totals, predict a Super Bowl winner, or use the MyBookie Prop Builder and secure that bag. You know, put in a prop bet on Co-Keefe scoring a touchdown. You never know. That's right. If it could happen, if it could go down this season, uh, your winning season begins today exclusively at my bookie. And once again, that promo code is pewter. Get double your money on your first deposit. Promo code pewter. I love it, Matt. I just put down a whole bunch of money, a crap load of money on, on my bookie. I, I went through and I've got, I've got bets. I, and yes, I, I put some money on the Buccaneers. I, I like the point spread. Uh, I, I got, uh, Ten dollars, because you know, as I say, ten large. I put ten large on on the bucks when it was one point five. I can put another ten large. I'm going crazy here on my bookie uh, on on the bucks when when the point spread jumped up to two and a half. So a uh, lot of college bets as well. I'm, I'm looking at that K State Missouri line, waiting for that to come down under seven. It's it's trending that way. Once it does, I'll, I'll probably jump on the Wildcats. But but uh, good stuff. So uh, Rick, as as we kind of round out the show here. 
the, you talked about the Cowboys not having uh, the depth and the playmaking ability at wide receiver. Well, guess what? The Buccaneers do. <laughs> the Buccaneers <laughs> more flush a wide receiver than than any team in the league in any position on their team. Uh, they got this guy, Mike Evans. He's kind of good. He's got uh, eight years worth of thousand yard receiving yards. And I mean, we're talking, that's an NFL record. And I, I'm not going to sit there and say he's not going to get 9,000. JC Allen will. JC Allen will say he's not going to get a thousand yards this year for the ninth year in a row. But that's not me. I'm saying that he will. I'm Matt, I'm guessing you will uh, as well. Especially early on, he's gonna he's gonna, he's gonna let it up his stats early as Chris Godwin yep. works his way into the offense. So my my question to you, Rick, is what you posed to me about Carlton Davis possibly traveling with with uh, uh, CD Lamb. It, will Trayvon Diggs is he going to travel with Mike Evans? Because I would assume from a size standpoint, in, in a, a you know good on good matchup, that's that's what the Cowboys want. But will Diggs travel with Evans? Because they're going to. Evans typically plays the split end. He's away from the tight end, the formation. He usually plays the X receiver. He'll occasionally play the the Z, that that split end. And and they'll even put him, uh, or I should say the flanker, and they'll even put him inside in the slot just to create some some mismatches. But will Diggs travel with Evans? They've traveled, they traveled him at times last year. Uh, I don't think it'll be a full-time thing for the whole game. Uh, he's certainly a better matchup uh than Anthony Brown is from a size standpoint. Uh, I think a lot of that's going to really depend on, you know, what your other receivers are going to look like. Obviously Gage is, is, is going to be, you know, he's going to be an impact player in the slot. Uh, it, Godwin is going to, I think, you know, his, his availability uh, is going to really dictate how they, how they cover Evans uh, yeah. because it frees kind of like we talked about with, with CD if Godwin's not in there, I can roll some coverage over and and and, and help my corner out on Evans. And the other thing is, you know, are you going to have time to get the ball to Evans? Right. Yeah, that's true. The, the other matchup, the last one on our, our list today is is Jordan Lewis, who's been battling a hamstring injury all camp, and the Cowboys are hoping it was limited to the impractice, are hoping he plays and, and that doesn't bother him on Sunday night football against the Buccaneers, but. He's got the matchup, whether it is Chris Godwin playing, whether it's Russell Gage in the slot, whether it's Julio Jones a bit in the slot. The the Buccaneers offense runs through, and Bruce Arians' scheme, it runs through the, the slot receiver. That's why even, even though Chris Godwin missed almost three and a half games at the end of last year, he still led the team in receiving yards and catches. Mike Evans, who played the entire season, couldn't even catch up because he just gets so many targets, that slot receiver. Think Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona. Think Heinz Ward in Pittsburgh. Think Reggie Wayne in Indianapolis. Uh, that's Chris Godwin's role here in Tampa. And so whether he plays, again, they like Russell Gage. They'll put him there. They'll put uh, Julio Jones. But but uh, Jordan Lewis, he's going to play a huge role in determining how successful whoever the slot is uh, is, is going to be on Sunday night, is he not? He is. Uh, he's had a very good camp. He's been one of my favorite Cowboy players on uh, defensively for a while. Uh, he doesn't get a lot of recognition, but he does a lot of the dirty work. He's very good in the slot. Uh, he, he had limited practice today. Uh, they expect him to play. One thing I think to keep an eye on is if, he, if the hamstring does bother him is they've got Deron Bland, who is a fifth-round rookie out of Fresno State, who's had a phenomenal camp. He's actually jumped ahead of, uh, <clears throat> he's jumped, excuse me. He's uh, jumped ahead of Kelvin Joseph and Deshaun Wright on the depth chart. 
uh, and he's had a great camp. They've got him listed as, as the backup nickel right now. I think what will happen if, uh, if Jordan Lewis is not able to go or is limited, I think they'll kick Anthony Brown down into the slot mm-hmm. because he's played a lot of slot for us and then probably, probably bump Deron Bland out to that other outside corner. Uh, so, I, but certainly they recognize that that is a that is going to be a key matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to your point, you know, Bruce Arians, I know when he got to Arizona, that was one of the things he challenged Larry Fitzgerald with was being able to run from the slot. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Made, 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 and Larry Fitzgerald will tell you and uh, and give credit to Bruce Arians for that extending his career. Yep. Uh, speaking of extensions, uh, here is the latest um, news from Age Rejuvenation. At Age Rejuvenation, we have a lot of interest about erectile dysfunction in men. It's not like my sex life was dormant, but you can always improve. It was having an adverse effect on my marriage and was uh, very happy with the results. We have various treatment programs available to enhance their physical abilities that can improve blood flow and sensitivity. The pulse wave has made it so much better. It's been a significant improvement. The good news was that I heard it from my wife. Stop waiting. Start doing age rejuvenation. How was that for a transition? You like that? that was a uh, uh, I, I think so. I'm, I'm awful proud of that. Uh, guys, listen, if you want to feel better, go to age rejuvenation. Lose weight, feel great, feel feel better, and have better sex. You might have seen Age Rejuvenation as the new sponsor for my SRS Fab 5 column on pewterreport.com. Well, I'm actually a new Age Rejuvenation customer too. Thankfully, don't have any issues in the bedroom, but I did turn 50 this year. And I think as Rick can even attest to, because you're my age, Rick, the energy just becomes a problem, right? You just you just kind of you know wear out during the day. You get tired. I mean, they start wanting to get a, a nap in in the afternoon like an old man, you know. Well, it turns out I have low testosterone, like most men in their 40s, 50s, and beyond. It's just nature, fellas. It happens. Low testosterone affects everything from weight loss to energy to your sleep to stamina. But now there's a way to fight it. And that's what I did with testosterone therapy. I have more energy now. I'm sleeping better at night. That's actually the first thing I noticed was I'm sleeping better. And I want you guys to feel good, too. Visit agerejuvenation.com for more information. Age Rejuvenation has five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Lose weight, feel great, get some better sleep, and have better sex with Age Rejuvenation. So we also want to uh, thank all our Super Chats today. We appreciate everybody helping us out with some contributions, and and uh, we always appreciate that. We had another Super Chat that just popped in I want to get to before we, we round out the show here. There you go from Steve Munoz. Shout out Peter Report, just showing some love. Keep up the great work. We appreciate that. Thank you so Thanks. much. Thanks, Steve. And we want to thank our special guest, Rick Zoyce, uh, for coming on today. Good friend of mine. He actually been my, my wedding as best man. So it's it's been fun catching up with you in Tennessee. You live in Tennessee now in Chattanooga. It's been, it was fun catching up with you in Nashville at the, the Bucks Titans practice, also hidden Broadway, too. That was kind of fun. And uh, <laughs> uh, which kind of brings me to an interesting point. Uh, I mentioned Rick was was my, my best man at the wedding, um, and uh, you probably un, you probably heard us at the end of every podcast. We say out right. Well, we throw up the deuces because that's what Antoine Winfield Jr. did to to Tyree Kill in the Super Bowl. But we've been saying out for a long time, even before the video portion of our of our podcast, even when it was an audio version. And the reason for that is on my bachelor party, it, it dwindled down. The last three people standing at my bachelor party were myself, Mark Cook, and Rick Zoyce. 
and uh, we were winding things down at the International Plaza at the pub, which is a great place. And I went to the bathroom and we're just about closing time anyways. And I come back and I asked Mark Cook, I'm like, I'm like, where did Rick go? And he's like, I don't know if they went to the bathroom with you. I'm like, no, we didn't. Like, where's Rick? So I'm, I'm calling Rick. He's not answering. And, and I, I, we'd all had a lot to drink and I wanted to make sure he got home okay. And so we start looking all around Bay Street trying to find Rick and we can't find him. And I, I look at my phone. There's no text from Rick. There's no calls. There's an email. And Rick, what did that email say? Out. Out. <laughs> what is it? I That's probably <laughs> should have had some Celsius or some age rejuvenation. They wouldn't have been in that predicament. <laughs> but that's exactly. where we were. Exactly. Well, well we appreciate uh, everybody for tuning in today. Thank you, Rick Zoys, for joining us. Uh, as always, it was a treat uh, doing a show with you. We talked about it for a long time, and it happened. Uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in to the what, Matt. I think this was the best Peter Report podcast we've ever done. Best of all time. We're a part of history. We learned about Peter Report <laughs> history too. So. We did. Yeah, it's it's been uh, full of Bucks Cowboys preview. We had some injury report news at the top of the show. If you missed it, you can always go to Peter Report TV. That's our YouTube channel. We want you to go there. We're approaching ten thousand subscribers, which is awesome. Make sure that you are subscribed to Peter Report TV on our YouTube channel, and make sure you hit like on all the podcasts and video content we put up. That helps. The algorithm helps us get in front of more Buccaneer fans like you. We love you, Peter people. Thank you so much. And for Rick Zoys and Matt Matera, I'm Scott Reynolds. We'll see you tomorrow, another edition of the Peter Report podcast of 4 o'clock. And you know what we're going to say right now, Peter people.